This is a 302 podcast. So the name of your business and Dr. Sampath Kumar, and we have Andrew here, of course, too. And Andrew has a long title, too. What's your title again? I am the Director of Outpatient Services. Yes, this is a mouthful, too, as opposed to just Dr. Sampath Kumar over here. Very, very easy. Are you, are you an owner and operator? Like, how did you guys start? And it's called Delaware Neuro Rehab. Correct. Is that correct? Yeah. Okay, yeah. perfect. Yeah, uh, that is correct. Uh, so our name used to be Delaware Physiatry when we started. We started in January of 2022, and um, I think in September is when we had kind of renamed it to Delaware Neural Rehab. So physiatry is my uh, primary specialty, but I specialize in, um, or physiatry otherwise could also be called the rehabilitation medicine, or rehabilitation. Mm-hmm. and uh, my primary focus is neural rehabilitation, more uh, specifically brain injury rehabilitation, any kind of acquired brain injuries. Uh, so yeah, hence the name Delaware Neural Rehab because it made more sense. Our primary focus was also just that neuro rehabilitation. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and then you said you started in September 2022. So very kind of recent, almost. Uh, actually, no, we started in uh, January 2022. Okay. Uh, September is when we changed our name. Okay. But also around the same time when we moved into our first outpatient location. Okay. Uh, prior to that, we were just uh, you know had just had a couple of office space. Uh, uh, from uh, one of the hospitals, mm-hmm. um, and uh, we were there, and I was doing a lot of inpatient work at that time, um, and uh, and then we just then moved to uh, an outpatient location, which mm-hmm. is in Dover in September of 2022. Yeah, gotcha. So, in your medical career, have you always been drawn to kind of the neuro rehab or brain injury aspect of it? Uh, so I was drawn into rehabilitation after. Uh, a sports injury. So actually, I wanted to go into sports medicine. That's that was mm. kind of my uh, initial interest. Um, so that's what draw drew me into the field of rehabilitation. It was actually, um, uh, so I, I played a uh, lot of sports and I was quite physically active and all that. And um, and and uh, I liked the process of rehabilitation when I went through. Uh, I had. Played soccer, had ACL tear. Oh my gosh! And uh, yeah, went through rehab. Uh, what what I was not aware of was when they told me. So, so I'm originally from India, so this was all in India, by the way. Okay. Um, what I was not aware was the how long it was going to take and how crucial, how important it's going to be for recovery for me to be able to go back to doing the things that I was doing before. Um, and and you know, I, I never saw the surgeon. Uh, after that, uh, <laughs> but it was the physical therapist that I had worked with that, uh, uh, you know, I kept seeing, kept motivating me, did an excellent job and, you know, kept explaining to me. Um, I'm, I'm very certain that I definitely wouldn't have completed my rehab and gone back to playing soccer if it wasn't for the physical therapist that I worked with. Um, and then a year later, so I ended it and I went back to playing soccer again. And then a year later, I tore my ACL on the other knee. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so I went through rehab uh, again. Uh, so, yes, yeah, so that's kind of how I got interested into rehab and how I got into neuro-rehabilitation or brain injury rehabilitation is that... Uh, so then so the next step was uh, uh, rehabilitation as a field is not as, uh, you know, uh, I guess well-established or uh, not as known uh, in India. And I decided to uh, move to the United States. Um, and so I, 
and once I started my training, um, I realized uh, the neurological population where uh, particularly the brain injury, acquired brain injuries, individuals with strokes, traumatic brain injuries, etc., they they were much more uh, complex. There was there mm. was a lot going on because it affects their whole body, um, right? And uh, so, definitely rehabilitating them or treating them was challenging, but also most satisfying when you're making a difference in their lives when they are so uh, you know hopeless and. Uh, I'm not sure, uh, you know, uh, what, yeah, not, not sure what, what's going to happen to them, if they're going to live their life this way and whether they're going to be able to do the things that they enjoy doing. Um, so that's the part that really intrigued me. And, and I think also uh, the other thing that probably played a, played a role is also, you know, the people that I trained with, uh, particularly my, my uh, one of my main professors, our chairman, he was also trained in brain injury rehabilitation. So, you know, uh, and, and you know when you see someone do a, a really good job, um, that also kind of inspires you. To, oh, I want to kind of just be that person. So I think that played a role as well. Yeah. So that's that's uh, how I. That's how you ended became up. Became interested, uh, and yeah, and, and really seeked for you know where's the best place that I could train in. And after my residency training, where do I get trained in brain injury rehabilitation to get the best training? And then I went to Houston, Texas for that. Uh, yeah, and then uh, 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 yeah, and then I had to go to India for a year after my training and all that because of some visa reasons. So then I ended up in Delaware after that. Yeah. Okay. How did uh, how did you get into Delaware then? So uh, for uh, for a job. <laughs> yeah. Hey, that's okay. Uh, a lot of people come here for yeah, a job no, and then totally. they that's fall not, off of That's not a bad yeah. answer. A lot of people yeah. do come in for a job. I mean, most people don't realize Delaware has a lot to offer. Yeah, yeah. So part of my uh, visa clause is that uh, uh, I either go back to my uh, home country for two years or uh, I work in an uh, underserved area uh, for three years. Mm. Uh, And I had already, you know, so I had moved to India because uh, I wanted to, so after kind of doing all the training that I did in the United States, I, uh, one of the things I wanted to do was to establish a, 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 a rehabilitation, a neuro rehabilitation setup uh, in India. So, um, so that was one of the reasons I moved back and also visa. So during the year that I was there, um, I, I did uh, start a, um, an outpatient uh, interdisciplinary neuro rehab setup. So that was actually my first project, which is very similar to what we have in Dover now. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I, I did establish that with uh, my uh, 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 my classmate, medical school classmate, who also is a physiatrist, but he uh, trained and he lives in India. Um, and a year later, uh, I moved back to the United States, and that's when... Uh, I found the job in Delaware mm-hmm. um, because, again, the two year was not over, so I still had the one more year left. But uh, my uh, ex-wife was pregnant at that time, so that's how I ended up moving back to the United States and found a job in Delaware. Um, and it was uh, at a, a, a pain practice, um, and that's how I 
found the job in Delaware. This was in 2018, no, 2019, mid, mm-hmm. or yeah, late 2019, I want to say. Yeah. Um, so I was there for a couple of years. Uh, yeah, for a little over two years, I want to say. Uh, from 2019, I think 2019 September through 2021 December. And then uh, I decided I wanted to pursue. Uh, so that was more of a general rehab practice. I was doing. Uh, um, that wasn't specialized. Specialized in. in what I was trained and what I was passionate about and uh, what I had already set up in India, etc. So uh, I, I uh, decided to just focus on you know my area of interest, my niche. Yeah. And then, do you do you own it? You started this practice uh, yourself? Uh, yes, I. I do uh, I, I do own it now? Yes, it's mm. exciting. No affiliation to like Bay Health or any hospitals. Uh, no affiliation. Uh, it's uh, it, it is uh, yeah. Well, I mean, as in, let me rephrase this. Uh, affiliation in the sense, not a practice affiliation, but mm-hmm. I am credentialed as a physician at Bay Health to you go have see patients. At, yeah, yeah, hospital uh, credentials. Uh, I, I have a hospital credentials with, at Christiana as well, mm-hmm. uh, meaning that you know you can go see patients there, treat patients, there, uh, things of that nature. But uh, no affiliation in the sense we're not associated with them in any way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bay Health is not in your title somewhere. Correct. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> Correct. Very good. One of your things I saw on your website is that you do a lot of inter- interdisciplinary. So you work with a lot of different providers to create success. Is that, do you think it's partly because of your influence from like PT, the experience you had, or, um, cause some, some doctors are more, you know, my care, that's what it is. And mm-hmm. others are more like we work together collaboratively and yours seems like a very collaborative, uh, practice. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's a very good point. Uh, I, I never thought of it that way, uh, <laughs> that, that, most practices may have just that one single specialty, uh, uh, you know, person that they focus on. Uh, no, I think this interdisciplinary care model comes from, um, it, it's pretty, it's pretty common in the field of, uh, rehabilitation, uh, especially in inpatient rehabilitation. That is when individuals, um, end up, going to uh, rehab, particularly acute inpatient rehab, um, for example, places like Pam and Dover, Encompass in Middletown, um, or uh, Bay Health at Milford. They have acute inpatient rehab where individuals could stay for a certain uh, period of time, relatively shorter compared to a skilled nursing rehab, but uh, they they get to uh, you know do therapy for three hours a day. It's intensive, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So, uh, it's, it's very common um, in those settings, and, uh, and and also particularly individuals that do go there often have neurological conditions. Again, because with neurological conditions, it, it affects the entire body. Speech gets affected, mm-hmm. communication, cognition, swallowing gets affected. Uh, there's paralysis, or weakness on one side, right? So you need more than one discipline. Uh, and then they may have medical needs on top of that. Uh, so, you, you know, uh, so you may need more than one discipline to help address that. So that's, uh, so that's kind of where the interdisciplinary model comes from. Just, uh, it, it's very common for our, uh, 
for our uh, specialty, uh, particularly in the inpatient setting. But I think what's not common is uh, replicating that in the outpatient setting. Um, mm. uh, um, most uh, physiatrists or rehabilitation physicians who do end up practicing in the outpatient setting, they uh, do primarily um, uh, like musculoskeletal orthopedic or, or pain uh, 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 issues. So, uh, so, so that's where uh, I, I think it just hasn't. Uh, there, you know, I'm sure. I mean, I, I'm, not, I'm sure there are uh, a few sort of interdisciplinary outpatient uh, uh, rehab practices in the country. Sure, but, uh, but it's, it's not the it's not, it's not the norm. Uh, but uh, I, I definitely, I think uh, we've been fortunate enough to figure out a way to make it happen and sustainable. Um, but yes, that, but but to answer your question, I suppose it's, it is. It comes from our specialty. I think, and I think what what's kind of unique about our practice is the fact that we've been able to figure that out to be able to do that in the outpatient setting. So Deborah's very lucky to have you then, something a little different. And, and you also get really good reviews. You're very likable. Um, what are some of the key things that make you different than maybe other people in your field? <laughs> Why well, should the listeners you. come to you? That's what she said. Why should we come to you? Well, you know, you know the medical world, I mean, you guys are in it. So you're, you're probably fully aware there's, you know, some people are very frustrated in the way that it functions and what insurance you have and what experience you have. Um, and then there's other offices that people are like, that is the place. I absolutely love it because they feel like they're getting true care, but you know, that's, those offices are doing something different. So what are you, what are you guys doing different? Uh, well, that's a good question. Uh, you know, I want to say a lot of things. (laughs) Uh, so one I think is, you know, uh, what I had mentioned, the, the, the fact that if we decided that we're going to kind of really focus on the neurological population, which then, um, you know, made it clear, then, then we want to have more of uh, in an interdisciplinary setup to be able to care for individuals with neurological conditions. Um, and so, that, so that, that's one thing. Right, so just being able to do that—that's um, that's a value. And then uh, the other thing would be, um, you know, one of the common things in medicine would be, um, you know, how much time uh, that you're spending with your patient. Um, I do think that as a practice, we do uh, take more time. Uh, with our patients, uh, you know, whether it's therapy, it's always, you know, uh, uh, majority of the time, majority of the time it is one hour. Um, sometimes it may be 30 minutes, but, uh, if, if that is the case, then there is always a reason for that. They may not need one hour. They can't tolerate one hour, etc. Um, and when an individual is seeing a provider, meaning like myself, uh, or a nurse practitioner, um, you know, they, have about 30 minutes uh, with this uh, on average. It may end up uh, finishing off earlier, but if the need is that they need to be seen for 30 minutes, uh, they do that. But usually, you know, that's, uh, you know, 15 to 30 minutes uh, is not how much time they, uh, I'm, I'm saying this is 
for a follow-up appointment. If it's a new mm-hmm. patient appointment, we see them for 45 minutes or to an hour um, sometimes. So, um, so, so I guess you know, taking time um, with with our patients uh, to get to know them and uh, address their concerns. Uh, I would say that definitely is one thing. Um, we still are figuring out ways uh, to do even better at it, uh, but so that's one of uh, that's one of the things. And then, um, so the other thing is also as a consequence, uh, because we don't tend to uh, rush people, uh, that ends up causing wait times. <laughs> so, so that's the other side. So that's why that's why I said we, you know, that's that's the part that we're trying to kind of figure out how do we do, do less, that? Yeah, and, less you know, wait time. Uh, it, it's it's a we just need to duplicate you, right? Uh, right. We just need more of you. <laughs> no, I mean there will be more wait times. <laughs> no, I think it's it's a, it's a process issue that needs to be figured out, mm-hmm. uh, and, and definitely that is something that is a priority, and we're working at it. But I think if we have to, you know, sometimes we may not be able to do all at once. So if we have to prioritize, we would want to prioritize the time that you're giving them uh, as opposed to the wait time, right? But we we ideally want to optimize both. Um, but yes, so so that's one of, one of the things I, you know, I um, I would say. And then the, the third is also we uh, tend to, um, you know, if if they're calling or if for something, uh, making sure that it gets addressed, uh, the communication loops get loop gets closed, um, and and uh, you know that's still. Part of patient care, making sure that it, you know, um, uh, th- this is all uh, being addressed on time, so they get the care and the treatment that they need. I again, also, I do think that we can do even better than that. But I do think, from what I have seen as a whole, where I've practiced on, you know, with, with other practices and whatnot, I do think that we do a, uh, a good job with that. Uh, but definitely we would we, want to do even better there as well. Um, it, we want to, you know, I want to say we want to be as good as uh, Amazon in the sense, uh, you know, uh, you, you know, you just press a button and uh, you get your stuff and they say we're going to deliver it on that day and they deliver it on that day. Right? Yeah, that's, a, that's a high uh, expectation, yeah. Amazon. Yeah. I mean, I mean that, that, that is <laughs> the, the... Amazon of medicine. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. I think that's a good analogy to, to yeah. have... Uh, I mean, just really taking seriously, uh, really taking seriously um, the work that you do or the service that you're offering, mm-hmm. um, and and uh, and keep you know keeping that in your mind, and being able to um, being able to have that culture at work, uh, mm-hmm. you know. Um, uh, I'm sure you've heard this as well, either in medical school or uh, uh, chiropractic school. I'm sure they never teach about the business aspect of the healthcare, <laughs> right? How to, uh, uh, the leadership aspect, yeah. how to uh, kind of motivate everyone to also do the same thing and, you know, what does that involve? So that's that's the part that uh, I would say we are learning. Yeah, uh, the systems, procedures, and culture. Yeah. I mean, that's huge. I mean, that is patient satisfaction is you know, do you feel heard? Do you feel you get the proper time to ask your questions and is your time honored? I mean, 
So that's really great things to be working towards and like conscious of because it's hard in medicine. I mean, there's so many things put on doctors and offices, whether it's the insurance in the back of the house and the billing and then the complications of all the cases. So mm-hmm. those are great things. But then, Andrew, what's your role in this? Well, I feel I like this is said, where you would come on in. Well, and- exactly. And I wanted to not talk, <laughs> but I was going to say coming from being the true non-clinical person in the office and I... And it's funny, I was a couple of weeks in, I was like, Doc, you got a great team. And I'm like, hold on a second, we have an, we, and when I would start to say, we have an awesome team, where I meant the culture that you've built, you and Jessica, um, can't tell you how many times you see a patient come out and be, thank you very much, Dr. Kumar. You know, there was a wait, but they come out, thank you very much. You could tell that they, they felt heard and, um, I truly say it's an honor when I get a chance to see that. And you also will see patients. Now I've been with the practice almost a year. You see patients were coming in where they're struggling. Now you start to see a smile occasionally, or you start to see them walk better. And I'm like, it's that for me is very rewarding. And, you know, with everything we do in the practice, trying to make it efficient and all patient centric. I ran hotels for 25 years, so I was mm-hmm. all about the experience. Absolutely. I ran very high-end hotels where it was definitely yeah. about the experience. And that's why I've always said with what you're doing, and it's it's really neat to see that. Not, ma- not many people think like you think. Mm. So that's... What do you think makes him different? Why is he thinking different than other providers? Because, I mean, that's... I mean, you, you hear what some patients are satisfied in some offices and some aren't, and and it really does come down to to the the culture, what you talk about. I say this, and I meant he's just not doctor smart. I can't mm-hmm. tell you how many rooms I've been in, and sometimes I'm like, how do I see this? Yeah. Went to school for hotel and restaurant management. How do I see this, and nobody else sees it? And I sit and I say this, and you've heard me say, I see the hamster wheel spinning so fast, and I wish we were on camera. My my hand is going real, <laughs> real, real fast. Where he thinks very different. He's just not thinking about. He's thinking the whole business, the whole big picture. Well, not everybody can do that. And this, it's, it's really cool to see, to see it like that. that, that that's pretty sweet, Andrew. Thank you. <laughs> you. I'm having a tough time keeping my head on my, I mean. Uh, <laughs> well, but, but, you know what, but you know what it is with that, though? Your head's still level, and it's a whole, it's the practice. It starts with you. I mean, we're all leaders. We all have our roles. We all do different things. But it starts at the top, and yeah. You don't see you don't see that. I yeah. I couldn't do what I do. I couldn't work for you and do everything I did. But I didn't believe in you, and that's the whole yeah. the whole thing with the practice. Well, do you that, feel like, where do you feel like you learn people skills from? I mean, that's what it sounds like. You have you you understand fundamentally. Like, okay, maybe this could be better. How can this be better? And it, it seems to be very people centric. Mm-hmm. Um, so how do you? Yeah, and you're very right. School doesn't teach any of that. None of it. Yeah. So how do you? Um, actually, you know, we actually talk about that. I was talking to someone else about that in chiropractic school, and I'm sure you see it in medical school where the best. You know, whoever does the top of the class, they get like the best spots, yeah, all these things. Yeah, yeah. But some of the people who are the absolute best providers yeah. are not the A yes, students. Yes. And they are the people who are the the people people, the yeah. ones that actually are very, very people centric and focused on um, how can I care better? How can I do more for my patient? Not just do I, you obviously have to know everything, but like, am I just getting an A? Am I passing my class? Am I getting the check mark that I need to, to move on? Like, how do you, how, how did you learn that? Where did this come from for you? Um, well, let me first, uh, pause and say, you know, uh, I'm, I know Andrew, you know, 
spoke very highly of me. Uh, <laughs> and, and I think, you know, I think perhaps I did, uh, you know, uh, I, I think uh, there's definitely this enough. I'm sure there's some truth there. I'm constantly thinking about uh, how could we do better? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, um, I mean, and I don't know if... if, if Possibly in somewhat, I don't know if it's even negative to say, but in, in a way, it's, I'm thinking about what's not done, what's not happening, um, you know, uh, um, how much more there is, how much, uh, what more do we have to do to get where we need to go. So um, I guess to put it negative, negatively, you could say, uh, uh, uh if you put it in a negative context, you would say, you know, um, yeah, you're just not satisfied with, uh, you know, with the way things are. If you, if you want to put it uh, positively, uh, I think uh, one of Steve Jobs' quotes come to mind, stay hungry, stay foolish, mm-hmm. right? Uh, you, know, you, you want to do better. You want to do better. Uh, and, and, you know, uh, I, I, I don't know uh, what... The best would, uh, you know, idea look like, uh, uh, but but definitely want to keep improving, keep pushing the bar, and perhaps one day, we, we, when we're there, we may just know. Mm-hmm. Um, but but that's what that's what's constantly um, in my mind. Um, uh, so yeah, so I don't I don't know if that kind of even answers the question to a certain extent because uh, uh, so I guess maybe that's what that's what. Uh, uh, defines it just constantly thinking about how do we, um, you know, do better, and 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 the reason um, is also um, you know it's it's like uh, it's like this. So you know, not to be philosophical but i think this is very true it's you have one life to live mm-hmm. um excuse me you have one life to live and you want to give it all if this is what and i want to take it very seriously uh in all aspects that i possibly could you have one life to live and i want to take it very seriously if um and and you know work is a big part of one's life and I want to do it well because that gives me pride and satisfaction of living, living well. Uh, it's like I don't want to live a, a sub-optimal life. I want to live it to the fullest I possibly can, and that's what gives me meaning. That's what you know drives me, motivates me, etc. So, um, yeah, hopefully that that answers that question. Well. Uh, what I'm hearing is it's just innate inside of you this drive to do better, improve the practice, improve your life, and. Like you said, you don't want to live a boring life. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think that's another way. Def- yeah, yeah. Yeah, a fulfilling life, absolutely. Yeah, to put it positively. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll be honest with you. You and her think very similarly, too, because she's always constantly thinking about the things that she needs to get done, not the things that have finished. Yeah. It's just what's next on the list. Yeah. Always. Yeah. She's always well, improving, like, how too. can you do better? I mean, yeah. I, I do agree with you on that. It's like... If you just go through the motions, and it's easy no matter what career you're in because it becomes so familiar to you, mm-hmm. that for you, it might be new to the patient, but we always have to think, okay, this is this patient's first experience, or this is their time, their you know, 20 minutes they get with us a week. 
that's what they get. So even though it's very normalized for us, it's how can we show up in the right way and how can we always make them feel heard and seen and, and that's connection is such a part of healing, um, is a big thing for us. But yeah, I always focus on like, how can we do better? And not just like in career, but also like life. Like, Mm -hmm. are we having the right relationships? Are we doing the right things? Are we, you know, traveling? Are we really experiencing life to its fullest? Because if not, then you're just like, what are you doing here? That's the whole point. Yep. Exactly. Especially when you see people, I don't know if you feel this way, but when you see people who are lacking health and they can't live life to the fullest, I feel even more motivated by that. Cause then I'm like, I, I don't want to be in that situation. I, mm-hmm. I want to help them get out of that because otherwise, if I was in the situation, you know, am I taking advantage of life because I do have the opportunity? So it's yep. just a whole different yep. Yep. perspective. And yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then I think that's, that's kind of, um, you know, to kind of tie it to work is, uh, are, are tying it to what we do is, uh, you know, the same principle, right, uh, um, apl- applies to everything that we do uh, in, in healthcare, uh, right? Particularly because it involves people's health. When, um, and, but I'll, I'll kind of maybe just point out rehabilitation, neural rehab, as an example. So this is a, this is a personal value of mine, right? So how I want to live life, and this is how a lot of people would want to uh, live as well, and. Um, being able to help them to uh, get there, meaning, um, you know, after a neurological uh, injury condition, um, how do we get them to the maximum level of independence we possibly could, given their contact circumstance and whatnot? What is the most that we could possibly get them to be at? Uh, what is the best that we could possibly do? Um, and and um, maximum level of independence, uh, despite their physical or cognitive limitations, and that is uh, what's going to help them to live their life to the fullest. Uh, you know, maybe they will be able to get back to the same job that they were doing before. Maybe it's not the same job that they were doing before. Maybe it's um, a a different job. Um, Now, uh, are getting them to, they may have, you know, a a vocational values, like they may want to go, they they, they like to go to church on on, on Sundays, and this is not something that they're able to do now, uh, you know, uh, or... or, um, they like go to movies with their family. They like to go out to have dinner with their friends. So uh, getting them to the maximum level of independence is also, uh, you know, not necessarily, you know, getting them physically back, but functionally uh, getting them to the point of, you know, vocational and these evocational goals that they may have. Um, that, that's, that's the, uh, you know, crucial part. Um, I, you know, I would say that, uh, um, so, so there's a program that we want to create to actually make that kind of formal, like, um, uh, right. Um, we're calling that community integration program, um, but I think that that would be kind of uh, be our ultimate goal, 
because traditionally with therapies, you know, we would get them to basic activities of daily living. Can they do that? Can we train them to do that? Uh, can you know? Can can they walk? Uh, but we, we are not spending traditionally uh, uh, in whether they could whether they could go back to doing what they were doing before, whether it's work or maybe they retired, uh, but they were doing other things, um, or maybe they were in school. Um, but we're not thinking about how do we get them. So yeah, so how do how do we get them to? Uh, doing the things that they were doing before, things that they value, because again, it's a major source of their happiness, major source of their pride, their confidence, and uh, getting them there. Um, and and uh, you know, we do want to create a program to help them to get to that point. And I think it's it has to be an official program, um, and and you know, something that we're working at. We haven't officially launched that yet, uh, but I think that's something that would be crucial and and very personal. Uh, to me, because uh, now it's the same thing that you know I want life, which a lot of people want in life, and being able to offer that to them, right? So they can also live their life to the fullest. Yeah, that's so important. Is is people getting to get back to that values of living the way that they or the best that they can? So it's a very important work that you're doing. Um, did you go from hotels into connecting? So I known Dr. Kumar. It's funny, I probably have to change the story for probably about three years now. Um, I've been a part of the Brain Injury Association of Delaware for over six years, um, vice president for three, president for a year. Um, it's funny, we were talking to him about him coming on the board, and he goes, we're going to talk about this kind of brain injury or this kind of brain injury? And I said, I don't know, Dr. Kumar. You kind of tell me what you think. Um, I have a unique background. I ran hotels. I ran a software company. I did mortgages. Um, this one, I kind of found my why very late in life, wanting to help people, uh, and in a different way. You know, kind of we, we were talking about the farm and the events things. I was like, yeah, this is that's cool, but this I see a difference. Like when I see a patient walk out that's feeling better or doing better or smiling that I haven't seen smile or walking more upright when they were hunched over and seeing what the team does. It's to me, that's very rewarding. I mean, I play a different role in, in the practice. Um, so that's how Dr. Kumar, I'm good with spreading a message. I'm good with bringing people together. Um, I kind of say for myself, like, I think I'm a good leader, but I don't know to put smarter people around me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I mean, that big, I, you laugh when you say that, but I'm like, that's the type of people, I'm like so many people, I'm a huge Simon Sinek fan, where I know I don't have to be the smartest person in the room. Like, let's put some people together, and there's no need to duplicate something. Let's just all work together to, mm-hmm. to get to that goal. Can you mm-hmm. go in more depth on what your role um, is exactly? Like, what do you do? So my role is a lot of it's business development and, you know, the, our referral sources is working with them, developing them. Um, it's also trying to help with the efficiency and the experience um, between myself and, and Jess, our, pra- our practice manager slash co-owner. You know, working with, um, like Dr. Kumar said, the experience, you know, making sure the wait time is as short as possible. Um, Again, I can't tell how many times you see a patient that might be frustrated that they had to wait just a few minutes, but you see them literally come out and like, thank you, Dr. Mm-hmm. Kubar. And it's, that's really nice. And 
trying to set the expectations. Again, you kind of say, where did that start? I, I go back to years ago waiting on tables and bartending, and I'm like, you know, to touch a table, you know, to look at somebody, you know, we don't overpromise. You know, how many times if you're going to go someplace and they say it's going to, your table's going to be ready in 15 minutes, you're looking at your watch. Well, if you say it's going to be ready in 20 and it's done in 15 minutes, you look like a rock star. Mm-hmm. So, and I think that's kind of simple, but not everybody gets that. And that's where the office gets it. And that's the philosophy. And again, it's all about the experience of what's, how can we get patients back to their normal or what might be their new norm in the quickest way as possible and, you know, being there for them and, and, and listening to them too, because it's frustrating. I mean, we all have frustrations and the patients that we see are going through a lot of things and have a lot of things going on, especially with them being some neurological things. So can yeah. you can you go into maybe a little bit of, of the patient experience, what they would expect, maybe someone listening, and maybe they've done something similar, they don't know if this is for them, or um, they're just afraid to maybe take those steps, you know, maybe when they maybe first make a phone call or website to actually getting in and kind of going through therapies, and what does that actually look like to them? This is something that we've been focusing on and really talking a lot about, because Traditionally, most of our patients that come in will have some type of neurological order. It might be in an accident, might have a concussion. And we always tell them that first appointment is going to be a little bit of a longer appointment. Mm-hmm. Um, we do a lot of testing. Uh, we have anywhere from three to five different tests that we're going to talk, that we um, have them go through to help them cognitively. So that I say it's important that we get those tests because that helps um, Dr. Kumar and that helps Kima figure out what's going on so that we can start a plan of care. It's not your typical, like when you had your ACLs done, there's kind of, I'm sure it's kind of typical, that's an order to go through. Each and every brain injury, each and every one is very different. We could be in a car accident and have the same exact thing happen and how it's going to affect me compared to you is different. So that plan of care is very personalized and very mm-hmm. indul- and based upon the individual and how they're doing. And that is something as a practice we talk about, you know, that's trying to make that experience well. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some of the tests that they may go through? I'm yeah, gonna... I'll, I'll, I'll speak on that. Yeah. So, uh, so also to kind of touch on the previous question. So, I mean, when, when they call, it depends on what they're calling for, depending on their condition. Some conditions, I would say particularly the, the concussion or post-concussion type of condition, uh, concussion or mild traumatic brain they would go through some tests before they see the provider, myself or our nurse practitioner. Uh, otherwise, it's just, you know, they give us a call uh, and, and uh, uh, you know, they, they would make an appointment, uh, usually within a couple of weeks, no uh, later than that. No one's waiting six months for no, you No, guys. no, 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 no. Um, uh, usually within a couple of weeks, no, usually no later than that. Um, and uh, I would also say that, uh, um, and then once they're there for the appointment, um, um, the wait time, I will say, could be up to an hour sometimes. Um, sometimes, you know, none, five minutes, but sometimes it could be up to an hour, especially if it's towards like the end of the day, or, you know, as you're getting... Farther yeah, along. For, yeah. Uh, that's when it tends to... Uh, <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, Anyway, so 
so that that's something to expect as well um and uh uh other thing to also expect would be that uh, that they will definitely be listened to for sure uh, i can also i can definitely assure that um and that uh, we're taking time with them uh, and understanding their situation so um yeah um, yeah, I don't know if that kind of addresses kind of what, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And then some of the tests that you may perform on them on their first visit. I know you, oh, you yes, said yes, maybe oh, like yes, three to five. Yes, yes. yeah. So uh, if it's if it's a um, uh, concussion, then they may go through some uh, balance test, cognitive test, eye test, vestibular test, or dizziness test. Um so yeah, so they may go through those, and that might um, take an hour and a half or so. I would say just to kind of finish the different tests, mm-hmm. um, and then the appointment with the provider will take another forty-five minutes, sometimes even up to an hour. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of uh, what to expect. But yes, that's that's the different tests and the duration of the test. This might be a little random, but when it comes to brain health, because you are working with this on a regular basis, are there certain activities that you would be like, I would not let my kids participate in, or I would avoid, um, or are there certain activities and it can be an and, or that you're like, I'm definitely going to participate in this regularly to make sure I have longevity and brain health. Yeah. Good point. Um, very, very good point. So, so you, we'll, we'll think about this in two separate ways. One is uh, sort of if they did have a concussion, kind of what to, what are the things to kind of keep in mind or what to do if there was something like that. The other is um, in the absence of it, what could they do to kind of keep their brain health good, right? Uh, it's much easier for me to uh, be much more specific and be evidential about the later, mm-hmm. the the latter question. Uh, you know, if they had a concussion, what are the things to kind of keep in mind, or if something happened? But not as you know, uh, evidence based. If I were to suggest uh, information on what to do as a preventative. Hmm. Uh, uh, thing, but to answer the question about, uh, well, let me take some of them first. So, so about things that uh, that they should be doing is definitely, uh, you know, uh, making sure appropriate uh, headgears are being worn, right, uh, with any sports that they are playing, especially, um, you know, uh, when when they are in, uh, you know middle school, high school, or even younger when they're training bicycle and whatnot, uh, definitely helpful. Um, I know there is, you know, been, uh, and it is true to a certain extent, which is that if, I mean, just because they have a helmet and whatnot, it doesn't mean that it's going to protect their uh, brain. It may protect their skull to a certain extent, but may not protect their brain. Well, that's not accurate. It still can protect the brain it still can lessen the impact it's still it's it's not uh, 
You know, it's not going to completely protect it, yes, but it's still going to decrease the impact. So anything that you can do to decrease the impact is definitely helpful. To wear. So, so certainly you know, I'll head protection with any activity that, that is going to put someone at risk for falling and hitting their head, etc. Um, and, uh, you, know, the, the, uh, you know, I've definitely been asked about uh, different supplements and stuff that one could take, you know, uh, omega acids, fish oil, and, and all of these things. Uh, frankly, I will say that I do not know the uh, evidence behind using this will keep someone sharp or prevent um, certain conditions from happening in the future, such as dementia, Alzheimer's, etc., etc. I am not aware. Um, you know, it's, it's possible just because it's not become the norm in traditional medicine. It, it doesn't mean that, you know, there is some evidence, uh, but it's, it's, it's not commonly well accepted, at least let me put it that way. Um, and in terms of, um, you know, uh, kind of activities and things of that nature, absolutely, uh, I would say that there is plenty of evidence to suggest, uh, you know, exercises, physical activity, um, particularly combination of the aerobic conditioning with the strength training. It actually does have positive impact, mm. you know, for your uh, brain health. Uh, um, the, 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 there is no, you know, there's plenty of evidence to support that for sure. Um, and uh, in terms of, uh, you know, there, there may be arguments about oh, this type of exercise that, uh, that that's, that's non-essential. I mean, just exercising, uh, you know, is, is, you know, much more, uh, important or essential. Um, and, and certainly I would say probably much more so with aerobic conditioning training than with resistance training, um, uh, for, for again, for, for the brain health. Um, and then the second, uh, the other, not the second, the other being, um, food, you know, we talked about kind of different supplements, but food, uh, you know, what types of food, different foods, uh, uh, that's something that that do get that I go, that I get asked as well. Um, you know, I I, I also am um, not as familiar uh, with that aspect as well uh, uh, with that aspect either. So I don't want to comment on something that uh, I'm not too uh, sure about. That it's going to definitively, you know, help for brain help, but, you know, uh, just the general comments, just what's good for body as a whole, for metabolism, things of that nature that we commonly uh, come across and talk about our balanced diet. There is some information about Mediterranean diet, having, uh, but that's just, just for, you know, health as a whole, not necessarily for brain function, but you could kind of take that in the context and say, well, if it's good for the body, is it good for the brain? Because an adult brain needs oxygen, glucose, and everything to mm-hmm. function effectively and properly. So certainly those things are good. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, those are some of the things that come to mind. Um, do you have uh, any personal habits that you, like a routine that you do just to stay healthy? I mean, I definitely have a lot of wish list, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, uh, yeah, definitely, uh, you know, um, yeah, I, I'll, I'll just, you know, 
it probably would be the best uh, person to uh, kind of speak on uh, <laughs> speak on that. I would say, yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm gonna pass that. Yeah. We've, we've, got it. we've got you so busy that sometimes I could. I could. I could give um, you know a lot of advice that I don't follow. You know, yeah. I would say, oh, uh, definitely there is something to be said about sleep, right? Uh, mm-hmm. But you know, how often do I follow that? Yeah. No. How not, much sleep do you get at night? Um, it varies. Sometimes. Uh, 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 two hours, three hours, four hours. Uh, uh, and you function well on that? Uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, slept four hours last night. You're all I'm okay. Fine. Yeah. We talk about sleep a lot. Yeah. Um, and, and that's the thing, you know, what's interesting is, uh, it's, 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 um, what, what I wonder is, you know, if let's say, uh, for some people, you know, they need their, you know, six or seven or eight, what, how, how many of us hours they sleep, right? They need that to function well. So there's that, that short-term consequence, right? Um, if, and if they don't sleep, then they're going to be tired and groggy. And then for some, they, you know, sleep, they can sleep uh, more than you know, four hours a day, five hours a day, or, you know, and, and, um, and, and they're fine. They, they're fine the next day or, you know, they, they, they are as productive. And, uh, but, but those individuals are, they may sleep even lesser than that. Um, and, and, you know, over the years, they've kind of trained themselves mm. to get to that point. Um, I, I don't know if it's just genetics or if it's genetics plus environmental, meaning, you know, um, they also kind of train themselves over the years to kind of get to that point. Um, and hence it doesn't affect them. But then I also don't know, okay, what are the long-term, what happens 40 years from now? Are they at higher risk for, you know, dementia, you know, and, and if so higher risk, meaning what, uh, you know, someone will get dementia, um, you know, if they slept well, uh, you know, one percent chance of getting it, but then if you don't sleep well, if you sleep less than four hours and consistently do that for so many years, you're going to get dementia. The likelihood of you getting dementia is four percent, or is it eighty percent? You know, mm. right? It's higher likelihood, but what is that likelihood? You know, mm. uh, I, I don't know the answer. I don't know if that is out there already. Um, so, um, so it's unclear, but but certainly, uh, you know, um, I I. I'm, you know, I, I would not say that I'm a traditional six hour, you know, six to eight hours sleep person. I would say I'm more. It, it varies. Some days it's two. Some days it, de- it really depends on what needs to be, you know, done. How yeah. my day is. What needs to be achieved, completed. Have, and <laughs> so, you don't feel like any decline in the way you function with like two hours of sleep. Uh, I, I will say I will get tired earlier that day, and yeah. I may, you know, uh, I will. Uh, I'm not denying that, but but as a whole, it doesn't affect at least the fir- the ma- the majority of the day. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm impressed. Like I'm not, Did you train yourself for that? I would say so. You know, mm-hmm. if uh, you know, kind of over the years, um, uh, I would say I was not this way when I was in high school, um, and then college. Or for me, college and med school was kind of the same because 
this is a different system in India, and then residency training, and then fellowship training, and you know, it was through the years uh, that you know kind of uh, uh, slowly, slowly, you just had to do it. Um, you know, um, mm-hmm. it was just so much work, and uh, um, you know, when you're in rotation, sometimes it's thirty-six hour shifts and things like that that you have to do. So, um, yeah, it's, it's something that. Uh, I, I guess you know, over the years, uh, I, yeah, I, I got kind of, I guess, yeah, trained, trained, trained to, to be that way. Yeah. yeah, yeah. If you now, this is another weird side question. If you happen to have gotten a brain injury, let's say you, Doctor Sampath Kumar, who only sleeps maybe two hours, would you give yourself more more rest? Is rest important when it comes to brain injuries? Hundred percent. Okay. Yeah. 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 Uh, let me put it this way: rest is important, um, uh, regardless. Uh, I think what I was just saying is that that consistent eight hours of sleep. You know that the traditional thing. Okay, mm-hmm. every day you should get eight hours. I, I just, um, at least for me, that's a little bit impractical because you know some days I do sleep eight, even ten hours, but some days I sleep two hours or four hours, uh, it varies. It's not that I consistently sleep only two to four hours, no. Uh, I'm saying it depends on what the need is for the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yes, I, I will say I, I will get, you know, if I slept only two hours, two days in a row, I'm definitely going to be uh, uh, tired much quicker. I'm going to sleep quicker. I'm going to sleep longer, all those things. Um, uh, uh, um so yeah, so it's a definitely you know uh, uh, you know uh, rest is important, um, uh, and and also I'm sure, I'm sure it, it it may s- still have to do with person to person, um, meaning how how was their sleep and how well were they functioning despite of sleeping for a certain period of time, um, you know uh, um, even before they had a brain injury, um, so. Uh, so yeah, so um, yeah, uh, yeah. So that that's how I would put it. Uh, it, it definitely is uh, uh, important, uh, but but I also think there is something to be say, said about. To a certain extent, I think it can be trained, but I don't know what the long term consequences are. That's the part I'm not too sure. Hmm. Is there, um, we're coming up on like an hour already. So this time has flown, hasn't it? Uh, <laughs> is there anything else you want the listeners to know? Uh, oof. nothing comes to mind. I didn't, I didn't come with a, a particular <laughs> no agenda. Uh, yeah, me- agenda or message. No, um, I was actually, I'll, I'll just say this. It's, uh, I'm not answering the question you asked, but I was telling Andrew yesterday, oh, I, I, uh, wasn't really thinking about who the listeners would be or uh, uh, things of that nature. I've never, you know, done a podcast, and I, I, I don't think I have. And you know, uh, I've seen videos of people. I just thought it looked cool to have conversation. <laughs> and be, uh, Was it as cool as you thought yeah, it would be? Yeah, because it's it's just you know people chatting and asking questions, yeah. and it yeah. makes you think and. You know, uh, it's uh, one of our favorite. That's why we love doing yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And I, I will say, you know, I love this. You know, bright sun coming in. Uh, this uh, view out here. Big, yeah, uh, big windows. No animals yeah. though, because it's flooding out there. Right yeah, now. it's <laughs> really they're over there. Over there. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But but you know, it's it's. Uh, uh, I didn't know all of this, but 
uh, which is a bonus. Um, but uh, uh, I, I just w- wanted to converse. Uh, yeah, uh, and and, and uh, uh, that's all. That's all I thought about. I so I don't have a message, um, but I will just say that I, I truly uh, enjoy the conversation, and I uh, I thought it was it was, was going to be cool doing it, and I now I I'm, I'm glad that that. Uh, no regrets we doing did it. it. Yeah. You can put it on your resume now. Yes. Podcaster. Yeah. Andrew, any last words from you too? No, just really wanted to thank you and, and seeing him smile. Like it's neat to see him smile. I know I go, I am probably one of your biggest fans where you're a good, I wouldn't do this if I didn't respect you. And seeing you smile at the end because you're always focused and that, that's, that is really cool. I know I bring it down to very simple sometimes my language or what I say, but you know, just being able to talk with like-minded people. And I think you guys have, our core values are basically the same. And it's nice to have conversation and to surround yourself, especially in this day and age, Mm -hmm. it's good to surround yourself with good people because if not, the world can bring you down. Well, thank you so much for coming on and and talking with us. And you guys have been so open about discussing. I think the listeners will really enjoy getting to know, you know, a local provider that's doing really special work in our community and serving Dover. So, and Wilmington now. So it's so exciting. It's exciting. So thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. Thank Thank you for having us. Thank you for listening to the 302 podcast. I am your host, Dr. Frank Chi, with my lovely wife and co-host, Dr. Megan Epps. We are your local nervous system-based chiropractors who have a passion for contributing to our community and giving back as we have been so lucky to be blessed living here in Delaware. We've created this as a way to support our community through showcasing local small businesses and people who are making a difference in Delaware. The best way for you to support those who have been featured and our local Delaware podcast is to follow, share, and like us over at Instagram. Our handle is at the302podcast. If you would like to be a guest or sponsor, please visit our website at the302podcast.com. If you are interested in chiropractic care or reaching out to myself or Dr. Epps, visit our website at doverhealthcarecenter.com and send us a message. We look forward to sharing more with you through this year and beyond.